the wide, wide world of sports is going on here. Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Start up your Tuesday on B and E. Tuesday, Wednesday. Sorry, sorry, Buck. So we'll get you over Wednesday. the hump Wednesday. Okay. Yeah, Tuesday man. was yesterday. It's already been a long week. Not happening, and lots gonna happen. Lots to do today and into the weekend, Buck, with the spring game. You know, today I'm going to be out. Uh, we'll be revealing our golf course of the month here for the month of April and into uh, May, Buck. And we're going to do some uh, very special filming and uh, conversation out at. Uh, a place I'm very familiar with because there's a big anniversary. Uh, our friends at Callahan's General Store have been powering our golf course of the month every month and uh, just coming off of uh, Austin Country Club during the Dell Technologies match play oh, yeah. and into the Masters. And uh, coming up tomorrow, I'll announce our golf course of the next three or four weeks as we highlight a new course every month and uh, learn about the history of that course and uh, tell the story. And uh, we'll be doing that uh, today and this afternoon with my friend uh, Charlie from Callahan's and Omar Uresti and our crew here at the Horn. So we're excited about that today. Uh, Monday was down at the UT baseball game. Also, last night, Buck was here at the station recording the latest version of an, an edition of the Eyes on Texas podcast that I'm doing with Mike Craven now from Dave Campbell's Texas Football. So, it's been a busy week and a uh, lot to do. And looking forward to the spring game, Texas and and Texas, Texas versus Texas, <laughs> Texas versus Texas, uh, orange up. versus white, right? Orange versus white. Yeah, Sark did say yesterday, hey, I'll pick the teams. I'll pick the format. I'm the general manager. Well, he said there will be a score. I mean, I'm sure before Saturday we'll learn the format. Uh, They will be able to keep score and we'll have a winner and a loser. Um, You know, but, you know, it's a spring game. It's a practice. But in the end, he wants it to be very competitive. I think that's fair to say. And unlike back when you were coaching, you don't want to get – Priest Holmes hurt. Did Priest Holmes get hurt in the spring game or just in spring practice? No, no, it was a spring. It was it was a spring game. He came up. He came up, hobbled, and he hobbled to the sideline. I mean, he oh. just kind of jogged off, but he had a tour in ACL. I know he missed the whole year. I know. Yes, but we were okay. I had him for that following year, for the Big Big Twelve Championship. So. Yeah, well, you know what's interesting about that is uh, we'll hear this coming up because when you were out, we had Mike Renner on from Pro Football Focus. He's their lead draft analyst. And uh, there are a lot of people comparing uh, Roshan Johnson and what he was as a college player and what he can be as a pro player with a guy like Priest Holmes. Priest Holmes is an example who played behind Ricky Williams and wasn't the feature back but turned into one hell of an NFL player. Uh, Brandon Jacobs is a name that people are talking about that wasn't the the lead Remember Brandon Jacobs at Auburn? He's a big old dude. Played behind, uh, gosh, who were the two running? Cadillac Williams mm-hmm. and uh, that crew. I mean, and this is where Roshan Johnson is, right? He's not. Uh, he wasn't the feature back here. He played behind a great back in B. John Robinson. Uh, let me play this for you. Mike Renner was with us, and he believes that Roshan is going to go sooner than a lot of people think because NFL teams really like the package they're getting in Roshan Johnson and think his best football years may still be coming. Uh, here's uh, Mike Renner from earlier this week. Yeah, he's got a skill set that I, I think is going to go a lot higher than maybe the general public realizes at this point because it, it's a small running back class. For as much as it's a good running back class, 
I think there's only a handful of guys who will even get drafted who are over 220 pounds. And Johnson's one of them, and Johnson's the best one. You know, he is the best big back in this class. And as much as, you know, the small backs look awesome in college, size still matters once you get to the NFL, and they still get coveted more highly than the little guys. So he's going to be a top 10 running back off the board. I feel pretty confident in that and could even sneak his way into day two um, with just how good he is and how good he was on a limited basis. Scouts don't really care. As we saw when Josh Jacobs went in the first round, they don't really care if you're a bell cow in college. They care if you can be in the pros, and he definitely can be in the pros. So uh, I think Roshan Johnson's a guy who, again, probably going to be a top 100 picker. Top 100. Yeah, if he can, first if, three rounds. If he can keep his agility and his speed up, that, that, that will be the key because he's always going to be a, a big dude. And, you know, he's, he's not, he hadn't been overworked, that's for sure. So he should be able to do that. Because once you start to lose speed when you're as big as he is, that and that means that that quickness is the part that you that you lose. Well, and I, I think, mean he's not gonna he's gonna not gonna shake and bake you a bunch as he gets older. Yeah, that's gonna be the question, right? And, and yes. you know, again, Longhorns last year had the the, the running back in Bijan who forced more missed tackles than any Absolutely. running back, and he broke more tackles. I mean, he you know yards after contact, Roshan Johnson was as good as anybody in the country last year at that. And remember, late in, the, in two years ago, two seasons ago, when Bijan was hurt. And Roshan carried them to the win over Texas oh, Tech. I in just the think ring. he has unbelievable, exceptional quickness. I mean, and the ability to make you miss for such a big yeah. guy. He's a he's a potential stud. And the name Josh Jacobs he mentioned. Remember, Josh Jacobs was the third was running back at Alabama. And played with the, the first time with the Giants, correct? Did he not play? No, with that's the, that's Brandon Jacobs. Brandon Jacobs. Josh Jacobs was Brandon was a big guy too. Well, you know, big dude, real big. Yeah, uh, but he played behind the Cadillac and uh, who was the other running back they had at Auburn that year? They had, they had three really good backs. Uh, but you know, Roshan. You know, Josh Jacobs led the NFL in rushing last year with the Vegas Raiders, but he was the third back at Alabama. That's how deep they were, but the Raiders didn't care. They went and took him in the first round, and he's turned out to be a really good player. Uh, that's kind of the thought yeah, with Josh Roshan. shorter. Oh, yeah, he's, he's yes. But th- at the same time, you know, NFL teams see it as a guy who doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on his right. body, and you look at it and say, wait a second, uh, think about this guy. I mean, it's why He's why he's a fan favorite of so many Longhorn fans because in the era of the transfer portal, not only was this guy – could have been a lead running back on pretty much any team in the country and stayed, didn't transfer. He was leader of the team. He was the guy that was, you know, rallying the team behind the coaching staff, and he was the straw stirring the drink behind the scenes uh, as Quinn Ewers was trying to make his way as a young quarterback. Uh, that's really, really impressive as a, as a character trait, just to, in this day and age when it's so easy to jump, it's so easy to make the move to someplace else where you can be the star running back and you can have the NIL deals. Roshan Johnson never flinched at that. He wanted to be a Longhorn wanted to play for the Longhorns. And now, I think, as you just heard Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus say, he's going to have a chance to to go make his way as a really good NFL player, like we saw Priest Holmes do, like Josh Jacobs, like Brandon Jacobs, like many running backs before who weren't the bell cow running back in college. Somebody said Ronnie Brown. There you go. Ronnie Brown and Cadillac Williams were ahead mm-hmm. of Brandon Jacobs at Auburn back in the day, and Brandon turned out to be a... Well, if he's anywhere close to Priest Holmes when he got to, to, into the pros, I mean, that, he was fringe, borderline Hall of Fame oh, yeah. running back. Great player in Baltimore and Kansas City. And, you know, you saw this with your own eyes because Priest Holmes, when he did hurt himself in the spring game, he went. He dedicated himself to bo- to his body. Oh, dude, that guy had a body before that even happened. So yeah, he was in he good hurt, shape. He was then, ridiculous. Then he came back after, you know, the knee injury, and he looked like Charles Atlas or something. This guy was a body – like he was – Mr. Universe. Once again, I never saw grown men stop in a in a when a guy walked through there with a towel on. I mean, the grown men stopped and goes, "Oh my god, 
Look at I mean, those players guys. themselves. Look at like, that body. Look at that dude's body. Yeah, Ty used to do that at Westlake. Is that right, Ty? Or did he do that down in Texas State in the quad when he would just walk across the quad, streaking? That's all I ever did at, the, at Texas State was just walk across the quad. Walk across the like. quad. That was it. Speaking of Texas State, the alma mater of our producer, even though he lived on West Campus, can we get to the headlines? It includes a win for the Bobcats last night. UBO Business Services brings it to you. We'll start with Texas baseball. They faced Texas State again last night. Second straight ball game with the two. And for the second straight year, the Longhorns and Bobcats have split that two-game series, both winning on the other's home field. Horns won in San Marcos on Monday night. Last night, the Cats rolled 9-3 to at Dishfalk Field. Uh, Longhorns playing their fifth game in five days. Texas State jumped all over the depleted Texas pitching staff, pounded out 13 hits, being six Longhorn pitchers. The freshman, Chase Mora, uh, did a lot of the damage. Three for four, scored three runs. Horns pushed across single runs in the first, second, and seventh. They finished the five-day stretch at 3-2. and two. They're 24-11 and 11 on the year. They're headed to Waco this weekend for three with Baylor. Texas State will host Marshall at Bobcat Ballpark for three this weekend. Major League Baseball last night. Rangers walked it off. They're in first place in the AL West now. They walked off the Royals in Arlington. Their catcher, Jonah Heim, connected on a no-doubt-about-it three-run bomb in the bottom of the 10th. They win it 8-5 to five over KC. In Pittsburgh, we all the Astros got walked off. A rookie, Ji Juan Bay, launched a game-ending three-run homer in the ninth off of Ryan Presley. They win it 7-4. Dell Diamond yesterday afternoon. Round Rock opened a six-game homestand with a 10-2 win over Tacoma. Same two tonight at 7-0-5. Also last night, Tampa Rays extended their season open winning streak to 11 with a 7-2 win over the Red Sox. Sizzling Rays have now tied the 1981 Oakland A's for the third best opening stretch in baseball history, 11-0. NBA play-in tournament tipped off last night. The 7-8 seed matchups in both conferences. Out west, Lakers rallied from 15 down in the second half to force overtime with the Timberwolves and then won the ballgame 108-107. They claim the 7 seed. They'll face Memphis in round one. In the east, the Atlanta Hawks surprised the Heat in Miami, 116-105. They set up a first-round series with the Boston Celtics, both losing teams last night. We'll now await the winner of tonight's 9-10 seed games. Big Ten Conference has hired former MLB and television executive Tony Petiti as their new commissioner. Petiti takes over for Kevin Warren, who moved on to the NFL with the Chicago Bears. He'll take control of the top revenue-producing conference in college athletics after spending more than a decade working for the MLB and before that served as an executive for ABC, CBS, and NBC. Trade in the NFL. Detroit Lions are sending cornerback Jeff Okuda to Atlanta for a fifth-round draft pick. Okuda was the third pick in the draft just three years ago out of Ohio State. In the NFL, Tampa Bay Buccaneers star linebacker Devin White has requested a trade. 25-year-old tackling machine is entering the final year of his rookie deal. And in hockey, Texas Stars lost to Manitoba last night on home ice 7-5. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. Do yeah. people call Texas State River Aggies? Yeah, somebody said on the text line, a lot of people complaining about the behavior of Ty's River Aggies last night, several incidents requiring police. Um, River Aggies would mean the San, the San Marcos River, and that they, they were acting like Aggies, I guess, from San Marcos. Look, there, were a big, there was a big crowd. Here's, what, here's what's cool about those two games. More than 10,000 fans were in attendance for both ball games. if you combine the two, because uh, Texas State set a record on uh, on Monday night with almost 3,500 fans jam-packed into it. And I mentioned, Buck, being down there Monday night, they, they had the overflow crowd in the softball complex. I mean, they awesome. were fired up for that game. And, of course, a lot of those fans made their way up 35 to be at the game last night. And somebody's saying that there was some police activity because of the knuckleheads. Uh, I don't doubt that. Yeah, if they're out there in the Occupy left field having some Got some a little loose, ahead. did they? Got a little loose. I've always considered Texas State more like Texas Tech. 
than Texas. Well, and you went to Texas, so you can give the eyewitness account of both schools. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like. That. I've never heard the term River Aggies. I'm Maybe because color board. scheme. By the way, Similar. and nothing's worse than Philadelphia Eagles fans or Philadelphia fans. Correct? You see, her there actually last night. Come on, leave them alone. They're just having, they're trying to have some fun. So their, the Phillies, the defending their hot dog all, things. Well, the Phillies had uh, uh, dollar hot dog thing, dollar hot dogs, which in this economy that's a pretty good deal. Now you got to yeah, buy a ticket is. and park and all the other stuff, but dollar hot dog, and they sold like fifty eight thousand hot dogs which is like 1.3 per fan. The lines were ridiculous, but of course, this is Philadelphia, so they proceeded to start throwing the hot dogs onto the what? field. Come on. Just hurling the dogs. Come on, don't waste a good pig. It's only a buck. What's wrong with y'all? Yeah, that's well, that's Philadelphia fans. Yeah, thousands of $1 hot dogs ended up on the field in the loss of the Marlins the other night. That was Monday night. They are struggling. Uh, it's early. I mean, yes. The 11-0 Rays should be paid attention to because that's historically good, and they're bashing everybody. Rangers are in first place. Rangers sitting in first place. they uh 7-4 now. Astros off to a 5-7 and seven start. Remember, Astros were 7-9 and nine last year, 11-11. and 11. They, of course, won the World Series. So it's a long season. Astros have a lot of key guys out and aren't healthy, and they're really not playing very good right now. Rangers are playing well, have had a lot of home games, and here comes uh, the Rays. 11. Oh, your Yankees are fine, Buck. They're good. They're fine. Corey fine. Seager uh, had a hamstring injury, left the game oh, in the fifth inning last night, didn't though. I see that. That's not good. And uh, he missed a month with a similar injury last year. So That's the key is same, health for the Rangers. Timeline. We've said it a lot. Was this on a pre- hit running the bases? I didn't see it. I just I read about it. We uh, said it all preseason. I mean, the, if the Rangers stay healthy, they're really good. Yep. Uh, or has a, have a chance to contend if they don't. And this guy, Shohei Otani, is ridiculous, by the way. Uh, this just in. The best player in the world was really good last night pitching as he uh, allowed one hit over seven innings. So there's some baseball. Longhorns, of course, in Waco this weekend for a big-time Big 12 series. We know Longhorn football will be on the field at DKR for the spring game. Let's dive into our coach's corner on that note. Audiovisual consultations and Tom McKay, the really smart guys who never make you feel stupid. By the way, that big 85-incher of mine looks so good. The Masters still look good. Come rain or shiny, that looked great. Hey, so um, the Tom McKay, who never makes you feel stupid, but he sent you a, an interesting text after your, colon, your, your colonoscopy. Oh, yeah, he did. Of course he did. That you can't talk about. No. He's a special one, that guy. Oh, here we go. This is, I was at the game. Some older fans got into a fight, not students. Very sad. Older UT fan, older San Marcos fan. San Marcos lady left the scene double birding the crowd, booed out of the building. Oh, I love that kind of stuff. Again, I don't, but okay, that, that makes sense, Ty. Uh, maybe you need to go to some Dodger Giants games one of these days, or go to a Philly. You'd love a Philadelphia game. Oh yeah, uh, I said if I ever went to a Cowboys Eagles game in Philly, I'd probably get killed at the stadium. Or yeah, there's at least a good beat, there's, beaten up pretty bad. There's a good chance that could happen. And here, of course, this is a classy older UT fan. By the way, they could just, group that of could just happen walking down the streets in Philly. Oh, that's right. That's right. You don't have to be at the stadium necessarily. Can it does? Uh, it says uh, classy older UT fan bought a group of ten students each a beer to uh, calm and neutralize the crowd. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. You did, I, I mean, I had Zay at the Texas OU game this year. He was the man of. He he was the peacemaker in the crowd. That makes was sense. He, yeah. That makes sense. You know, son of two educators and a coach, and he's gonna he's gonna make sure. And you know, Zay's a big dude. He can handle his own business. He can. He's gonna be a peacemaker. Uh, all right, let's hear from Sark at our coach's corner. Spring game is this weekend, and again, I mentioned that Sark had an availability yesterday, and we'll hear some of that sound over the course of the next couple of days. But today, you know, he also sat down with Ryan Clark, 
and Fred Taylor and Channing Crowder, who who host something called the Pivot Podcast. And, um, you know, it's a very popular podcast. Ryan Clark does a real good job at ESPN. Uh, but they sat down with Sark. I think they come to you. They, they came to Austin. And uh, I thought this was interesting. <laughs> if you're a Longhorn fan, you're going to like hearing this. This is Sark talking about what he really likes. This is spring number three for him, year number three for Sark and this coaching staff. And he told the, the Pivot Podcast guys that he, he likes what he sees when he goes to practice each day. Sorry, the internet is not got the freeze on right now. Usual. Give me thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. We need thirty seconds. Okay. So the cuts only like twenty seconds. Uh, we just listen to all these during the break. Yeah, I'm extremely excited about watching this game on Saturday. I know they're not going to do an awful lot, but boy, there's there's some individuals. I, I want to see what this running back room looks like. I want to see what this freshman looks like. I know he didn't come out on fire in his first scrimmage, which. Really, that's that's hard to do going from high school football. I don't care how good you are in high school to stepping on the field in your first scrimmage. All right, in here's, the spring, it's different. Yeah, we'll talk more about the game. Here's Sark on uh, why he likes three. it. I was just telling my brother-in-law the other day, I said, this looks like my team. Mm. And it's year three. I said, yeah. it feels and looks like my team. The, the way the players talk, the way they act, what they look like, the way they move, the way they run, how we practice, the speed, the tempo. All of those things, man, I'm like, okay, now we're about ready to go. This is this is what it's supposed to look like. And, 90%. and we need to because we're going to the conference, you guys. Just- so he's talking about uh, looking like the team, bigger and, uh, uh, you know, it should, right? You, most of the, most 90% of the players on the field were recruited by this coaching staff. Right. There's been continuity on the coaching staff. Uh, you know, really the only change has been at wide receiver and wide receivers coach and then one change at running backs coach. And it's, you know, stand Now it's time to win. And now it's time to win. I don't think there's any doubt about that. That's the the no excuses conversation. This team has every ability to uh, win a lot of football games this year, and uh, put it in the dirt. And uh, but just Sark, you can see the gleam in his eye. He really likes what he's seeing from this group. Um, and you know, you you combine the idea of the continuity of the staff and and you know keeping people. That's been a problem at Texas. We know that, right? Um, you know, coordinator turnover at Texas you know, in the end of the Mac Brown era was a problem. Uh, starting in 2010 when he had to, you know, remake his coaching staff and it never was right. We know Charlie Strong was changing coordinators all the time. Tom Herman had different defensive coordinators. And, you know, the, the number is there. The the, uh, the last Thursday, the Longhorns had some player availabilities. And it was, uh, you know, Jade Barron said, uh, you know, year three, he says, it feels like a family. We're all sticking together. We're all in this together. They ain't going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. It's just a bond we're creating right now, coach to player. Uh, also, Jaron Thompson, who was a good player for them last year, says the whole defense in general, we're locked in, we're understanding our assignments, we're getting after it and having fun out there. And that really is, and we talk about it, and people would call it an excuse back in the day, but when you're changing terminologies and coordinators every year, you're not going to have consistency. You're not going to have you know, year-to-year continuity within your, your program. And that's, to me, that's the, the exciting part where this thing can come together. And you just heard Sark kind of allude to it, Buck, that – it's the third year. It's three cycles of additional talent through the portal and recruiting. Uh, it's years of experience and the continuity between the, this staff and these players. And maybe that's what Sark's talking about. You're starting to see that show up on the field. Yeah, I mean, it, when, it, when you start feeling like it's your team, it's, it's into that image of what you think a football team should look like when you first came here. No matter what your records was by year number three, it, it should really 
it should be starting to look like the, what the head coach you know envisions, which means that means he's keeping a lot of his staff together. They've all these all these meetings, all these times they spent together. This is what they wanted this team to look like. But now it's about winning the games. It's about being in a championship game and winning a championship game. Because to me, if you don't get to the championship game here, I don't I don't think you walk into the SEC being anything but Mississippi State. I, I do. That's in my mind. And I'd like for this team to be more than just Mississippi State when they go. Well, and that means you've got to win a championship here. Yeah, if they win the last Big 12 championship, that won't be the case. No, no, no. Right? That's that's a lot of confidence going in, even though you still will be playing better teams well, than you played in the Big 12, I believe. You'll 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 have an incredible – this will be that third – like you said, that third year, then going into your fourth year into that conference. There has to be nothing but confidence going in with a championship. That's how you walk into another conference, see, on a winning note. Not, not on eight wins, not on, you know – Seven wins, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, in an Alamo well, Bowl. If this team wins seven or eight wins, it would be a huge disappointment. Absolutely, because this team needs. And look, I that would the temperature would rise pretty quickly on Steve Sarkeesian at that point if they're a seven or eight win team again this year with this team in this conference with the depth with the continuity of the staff. I think Sark would be, I mean, beyond disappointed. But you're right. When he got here, I, I, Sark didn't say this, but you could read between the lines on his words. They were they were too small at offensive line. They were too big and slow at receiver. Um, you know, they had Bijan. They had they had good you know, good players in the running back room. He and Roshan. They didn't have a quarterback. Uh, so as an offensive guy, you you know they had to. Oh, remake. you got an outstanding line. Well, now you do, but you did when you got here, right? You were only had seven scholarship linemen in in spring 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 practice number one. Uh, now you've got 15, and uh, so it looks like the team he wants. Big and physical up front, really fast on the outside. Uh, a, you know, the quarterback room with the additions of Malik Murphy, Arch Manning, and Quinn Ewers is dramatically more talented. Uh, the question's running back. Uh, we know that. Can we hear Sark on, speaking of temperature, this was another part of the Pivot podcast where Sark was talking about, you know, coming through his, you know, sobriety and through the challenges he faced and, and has been through. Uh, he... He tries to set the temperature in the room. He doesn't. He doesn't listen to other people and outside noise. It's all about how he believes he needs to to, to be on an, on an everyday basis. Uh, here's Sark on uh, that that philosophy of his. You know, when you think about a thermostat, that sets the temperature in the room. Mm-hmm. A thermometer just gauges and tells you what the temperature is. Right. So my idea is, man, everywhere I go, and in my own life, I want to set my own temperature, right? I want to, I want, and I try to try to really get that across to our players. Like, you don't have to buy into what your circumstances are, right? Or what a relationship you think, what society is telling you it's supposed to be, or whatever that is. How do you want to go live life, right? What type of energy do you want to provide? Who do you want to be every day? And so, I'm a, I want to be a thermostat. All right, see Sarkeesian uh, coming through his issues, and now you know it's interesting on our, on our eyes of Te- eyes on Texas podcast last night. Mike Craven and I talked about this that there's a you know on three sports, one of their writers ranked the Big Twelve coaches one to fourteen for coming into this season, and in the ranking, Sark was tenth. Yes, out of fourteen coaches, and it's you base if you're basing it on resume and accomplishment, it's hard to argue. Chris Kleiman of K-State was number one based on what he did Absolutely. At, the, at lower levels, winning national championships, and, and K-State won the Big 12 last year. I mean, he's 10th on that list. Sonny Dykes is number two and on down the list based on resume. Um, and that's where Sark is, right? Sark, it feels really good. It feels like the momentum is in this program right now. But right now he's the 10th best coach in a 14-team conference. Uh, and I, you, know, you could argue between he and some other guys, maybe it's eight, maybe it's nine, maybe it's ten, but Based on it ain't a, one, two, or three. No, 
But you know what? You wouldn't have said that about Sonny Dykes one year ago, and Sonny Dykes was number two. If Sark has a great year this year and the Longhorns win the Big 12, he'll move up pretty dramatically in those rankings, and that's, that's what winning does. Sark hasn't done it at a high level. Uh, by the way, he also said on that podcast that, uh, that I hadn't heard him say this, that he felt like one of his biggest regrets was leaving Washington for USC when he did, that he jumped at it maybe before he was ready and he didn't trust. Yeah, when an opportunity like that comes, it's hard for to. him. Yeah, but, it was you know, hard. In reflection, he said, you know, I, I, I need to grow a little bit. I was, but he said, I was already looking for the next stop instead of like believing in the build that I was doing. And we were doing good things at Washington and, you know, jumped into the USC thing. Then the wheels fell off in his life and uh, all the battles there that we know about, the personal battles. Uh, and so, you know, again, it's, it looks good. Things are looking good for the Longhorns. We get to see them on Saturday. But it's wins and losses. It's wins and losses. It's a, it's a results-based situation, and the results need to be better than they've been in the first two years. Yeah, it won't be much about the talk if, if it doesn't get it done this year. Sure. No, it's a, but again, if, if you improve three games like you did year to year last year from five wins to, to eight, if you go from eight to 11, uh, and, it, and I'm just talking regular season here, you know, 11 wins and you're playing for the Big 12 championship, sure. you know, that's, that's, what, that's the direction the program needs to be going uh, and it sounds like Sark believes they can. And we'll hear more from Sark. We'll, we'll obviously cover the spring game, have it for you live here on the Horn. More on that coming up. Uh, we'll also hear Sark talk about the quarterbacks as they head into the spring game and uh, the the other conversations of the Longhorn football com- football week, final week of spring practice. Plus, Ty will lead us through some hot or not topics before the end of this hour. Uh, looking for a great guest lineup into the back end of the show. We'll get you details on that coming up. The Buck is back. You are back. It's the show of the people on a Wednesday. It's Bucky and Aaron. Several people asked on the text line, when is the spring game actual time? One o'clock. One o'clock. And I would say it's part of a full day on Saturday. And the weather, which looked kind of ominous on the uh, forecast yesterday, looking a lot better. 88 and sunny when it uh, peaks out in the afternoon. Should be a beautiful morning. And they're going full out. They're going to treat this like a Longhorn regular season game day as uh, Bebo Boulevard, We'll be cranking up. They're going to have a football team autograph session from 9 to 9.45 uh, with posters provided that you can get autographed by the team. They're going to have live music at the LBJ Lawn, a Bebo Parade at 10.30. Um, so that's all outside the stadium. Then the gates to the football game will open up at 11 a.m. And the game itself, the orange-white game presented by Texas One Fund, will be at 1 o'clock. That's a free admission. They've got a post-game concert. Also encouraging fans to get over to the softball game afterwards and the men's tennis against TCU. So just a full day on and the soccer team playing Houston that night. So full day on the 40 acres if you want to make it that. Uh, it's the Made in Austin weekend with all the events. And uh, we'll be there. The Horn will be live on Bevo Boulevard with our pregame cover starting at 11 o'clock. The game at 1. And uh, it is the last chance to see the Longhorns before they play the Rice Owls in early September of next year. You know who's quarterbacking the Rice Owls now? Who might that be? JT Daniels. JT Daniels, baby. The poster child oh, of the portal. Fourth stop. Fourth stop along the way. And on our Eyes on Texas podcast, which will be out this morning, by the way, uh, Eyes on Texas pod, myself and Mike Craven. Mike was down in Houston last week doing some stories for Dave Campbell's Texas football and talked to the head coach at Rice, Mike Bloomgren, who said, I've been recruiting that kid since he was 13 years old. Because remember, he was at Stanford. The coach at Rice was at Stanford in the Jim Harbaugh days. And so when he's when, when JT Daniels is this rising prospect in California, he recruited him. And every year, every time he's jumped in the portal, he's tried to he's tried to recruit him and he finally landed him. Finally got, got him. Got him. And yeah, JT Daniels, that'll be the first quarterback the Longhorns will face uh against the Rice Owls after this spring game. Yeah, JT. JT Daniels, my friend. 
Uh, then the Alabama Crimson Tide will be game number two. Game number two. Uh, so, yeah, we're cranking up for the spring game. We're getting you ready for uh, the play-in game. What is Anthony Davis doing last night, fouling people? Three-point game. You can't foul there. He's healthy. Let him just stay healthy, see what they can do. I don't think they go very far. You almost cost your team the game. You're, you, you know, Dennis Schroeder hits a, it's a three from the corner after you were down 15 in the third quarter, come all the way back, and you're up three with a minute. By the way, how'd you get down to that group well, without their players? That's the Lakers. They make everything hard on them. But uh, you're up three with a second to go, and all you need to do is not foul. I mean, they don't, ha- I mean, they don't have time to catch and shoot. I mean, it's 1.2 or 1.3 seconds on the clock. Just, you know, you can play defense, but you can't get near fouling. He ends up fouling Mike Conley on a three-point attempt and puts him at the line. They end up in overtime. They won the game, which so you can laugh it off, I guess. But come on, Anthony Davis, you got to be better than that. Can't be. Uh, you're you're a better player than that. That's like the dumbest thing uh, in that situation uh, to to try to hurt your football, your your basketball team. But uh, Lakers win, Heat win, so they are in. They'll be the seven seeds in the East and the West, and the Lakers will play Memphis. I gave you two winners yesterday. You did give us two winners, sir. Ty Henderson, the professional gambler in the box. He uh, can, he uh, gave us the the because the Lakers were favored by eight and a half points, and they won in overtime by six. Did you get nervous when it went to overtime? I didn't watch. Okay, I've been doing the Bucky method of just waking up in the middle of the night and <laughs> just checking out your phone. Yeah, you go to the bathroom, uh, just check it out, yeah. see what happened, so you can get some rest. So you're not worried about all that. Exactly. Good oh, move. My goodness. Well, I'm going to need your help on this bet. Can we play this and we'll dive back into the National Football League? Because by the way, by the way, Buck, I, I we'll talk more Texas football coming up. We have a, we may be talking to Moro Ojimo coming up in our nine o'clock hour. Hope to get him. We have some connection and maybe talk to Moro two weeks out to the draft. Uh, he is a guy that um, remember came to Texas as a sixteen year old kid out of Katy, Texas. Oh, yeah. And here's the thing about Moro that'll surprise you. You know, Buck, he's uh, he's a five year player at Texas and he's still just twenty one years old. <laughs> he's you know, he's not one of the they, they, you know age is a factor for NFL teams and they're looking at guys you know Hendon Hooker the quarterback out of Tennessee is like twenty five oh yeah uh, they're looking at age uh, they, for your longevity Morrow five years here at Texas but he's still just twenty one years old as he he graduated early at Katy and you know came in early he's a very smart young guy hopefully we talk to Morrow coming up in our nine o'clock hour but uh, on the NFL front I mentioned this about Devin White we mentioned early he's requested a trade and I think that's going to fly under the radar for a lot of people. You know, Devin White has played 62 games with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers since being drafted in the top 10, or he was a top 10 pick out of LSU. He's at 483 tackles, 20 and a half sacks, 55 quarterback hits, and six forced fumbles, nine fumble recoveries, and a couple of interceptions. This guy is going to selling himself as, look, I, I'm a linebacker, yes, which is not a premium position in this league right now, but 20 and a half sacks, Buck? I mean, that tells you he's an impact player. Forcing fumbles, uh, I, I just wonder if, I don't know if Tampa Bay will trade him because he's kind of a cornerstone player for them, but they haven't, he's going into the, rook, the, the the final year of his rookie deal. He sees what Roquan Smith just got in Baltimore. He wants a similar contract. Uh, and he's been a more impactful player than Roquan Smith, by the way, and they won a Super Bowl. I remember the, the years when Tom Brady was their quarterback, they had the league's number one run defense, and a big part of that was Devin White. There's no doubt going side to side and making plays. So I, 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 I don't because I feel like the Buccaneers are ready to to bail out and go towards the top of the draft next year, and because I don't know that they believe in Kyle Trask, and I don't know that they believe in their head coach right now in Tampa. They're not super talented without, and they've gotten old pretty quickly with Tom Brady moving on. You kind of wonder if they would trade him for draft capital. And boy, oh, that, yeah, that can, you want to talk about that's guy, their firepower for next year. Yeah, to, yeah, draft capital and try to get 
Because, yeah, next year, Caleb Williams, Drake May, you know, potentially Quinn Ewers if he has a great season at Texas this year. Uh, those guys could be in this draft. And, you know, so you want to have as much ammo as you can. Meanwhile, you probably, if you're kind of in a rebuild mode with Tom Brady retiring, you don't want to invest big dollars in a 25-year-old linebacker. Maybe you do, but the, the option, you know, there the at least is a choice to be made there. But I'm just saying this with Devin White. If someone were to acquire him, you want to talk about having an impact player? I mean, there's not a draft pick you're going to draft this year no. that can have an impact like that guy. Not a 25-year-old oh. linebacker that can go. Oh, 20 and a half sacks, 500 tackles. This guy is a – and you knew he was a great player coming out of LSU. Sure. I mean, that was just – he was a special player, and he's played like it. That's why he wants to get paid. Uh, I think that's an interesting name to watch here over the next two weeks because somebody who is a contender could say, you know what, we'll give up a draft pick to get that dude, and we'll sign him because that can become the anchor of our defense. Uh, you know, Linebackers get treated like running backs quite a bit on the defensive side where they're not valued like pass rushers or cornerbacks or even safeties these days. Uh, that's an interesting name to watch because Devin White Not a lot of guys at linebacker with Roquan's contract. Not a lot of guys playing that position. Right. And he just got in Baltimore after being traded because he got he traded his he got his forced his way out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And why did Chicago trace him to trade him, right? Chicago traded Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack and all those guys because they wanted to go right. up in the draft. And what they end up with? They ended up with a number one pick. And they trade all their best players to get draft capital. Then they lose, and, and Houston screws it up at the end of the year, and they get the number one pick. They cash that in, and now they're picking ninth, but they got a big old haul from the Carolina Panthers. So this is the Bears are on their way to rebuild around Justin Fields. The Buccaneers could be heading that same direction. So I do think That's the true. Devin White trade request could be something to keep your eye on here in the coming two weeks because the draft is two weeks from tomorrow. Okay, so real quick on this, uh, I need your help on this, tie with your betting prowess because now it's Adam Schefter. Last week it was... Lance Zerline of, down in Houston saying that he's not sure if Bryce Young is picked number one by the Carolina Panthers. He's not sure if the Texans will go quarterback at two. Here's Adam Schefter yesterday echoing the sentiment that if Bryce Young goes number one, is, which is who the Texans want as their quarterback, but they screwed up the end of the year so they don't have the first pick, they may not be as sold on C.J. Stroud as some others, and they may not go quarterback. Here's Adam Schefter yesterday on ESPN. What do you think their plans are from what you're hearing? Well, we're trying to figure it out. But again, I think there's a lot of conflicting signals and information out there about what Houston is going to do at two. And I think a lot of people have assumed it's just going to be a quarterback. And in the end, I'm just not convinced just yet that that's going to be the case. Now, I do think that we have Bryce Young slated to be the favorite number one Carolina. Then Houston's on the clock. And what does Houston do? And it becomes interesting if Houston decides to auction off that pick to somebody who wants to come up and trade for a quarterback at number two, or whether Houston wants to go with a quarterback of its own, or whether Houston wants to go with one of the top defensive players. All I'm saying is I don't think it's a lock that Houston is going quarterback at two. That's all I'm saying. Adam, it's amazing. Oh, Oh, my gosh. I think it's a lock that they're going for a quarterback at two if that happens. Either one or the other. It doesn't matter. Either one or the other, they're going to take one of those two quarterbacks. Well, this has been the problem with me all along. I think they covet Bryce Young, and I don't know that they covet C.J. Stroud. I'll say this about C.J. He's been my pick for the Texans, but it doesn't feel like – it's never felt like Nick Casario loves him. And, you know, you know the Georgia game this year for, for C.J. Stroud was great, but there's a lot of bad tape for C.J. Stroud this year, too, when he had injuries at running back and, and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba wasn't playing. He played some – there's some bad tape for him. Yeah, this, this is year. the – let's see some bad stuff about you time of the year. 
Well, oh, that's what it is, what it is with the quarterback anyway. Well, look, I, I, Bryce Young's on the board. The Texans are taking quarterback. But he's not. the more and more reports come out of Carolina, the more and more it feels like it's going to be Bryce Young for them. He, he nailed their cognitive test well, they it's, gave him. It's the owner. Right. Also. Well, the owner, the quarterback's coach, loves him. Uh, you know, The only guy that may be a holdout is Frank Reich. But in the end, he may be outnumbered in that, and it's feeling more and more like it's Bryce Young there. But you know, now Adam Schefter here, because Adam Schefter doesn't just go on TV and say what he's thinking. He's been talking to folks. And there's more and more people that wonder if the Texans will take a defensive player and wait on quarterback, which would be ridiculous in my opinion. And um, yeah, but again, this is why you can't screw up Week 18, Lovey. You just you. you but can't what are they waiting on? What, the, the guy from Kentucky is that? Would they go ahead and take that chance, or are they waiting on the following year? Oh, remember they still have Case Keenum because they don't Mill. know how to tank. We know they don't know well, how to do this that. This is organizational failure 101. If you don't take the quarterback because you didn't lock up the number one pick because you lost control of that and you couldn't take the quarterback you wanted. Well, now you may have to wait and say, you know what? Best player on our board is this Will Anderson. We're going to take him, and we're going to have our pass rusher, and we'll we'll see if we can get a quarterback a little bit later here, what we can do, because we still have a lot of draft capital. But that quarterback is going to be a project, whether it's Will Levis, who puts mayonnaise in his coffee and eats bananas with a peel on it. I don't want that quarterback. Any, this guy's got Ryan Leaf all over his, all over him in my mind. Uh, but And then there's Anthony Richardson. You know, that's a project. And so you're you're telling your fan base, Oh, we're probably going to go with Davis Mills or Case Keenum again this year while our quarterback develops. That's a fail. That's a fail. No, because you're going to be right back looking at a quarterback the following year. Well, the fans don't want another following year of tanking. <laughs> They've been doing this for two years to get to this point. And now they know they don't know how to tank. Oh, man. It's so ridiculous. Now Adam Schefter on the bandwagon of the Texans, maybe not going quarterback at number two. Are we kidding me? Uh, Houston, we have a problem. And I heard Rodden Hartz talking about it yesterday. The Texans do everything to trade up to Carolina. Carolina didn't trade up to this spot to now trade it. I mean, they traded up no. to this spot from nine to one to, yes. to take the quarterback they want. And if if you, they're not flipping, if they settle on Bryce Young, there's not enough that Houston could give them. I don't think. Uh, that's why they gave up what they did, including a young, right. good young receiver, DJ Moore, to go up to one. They're not in any any mood to flip now. They they did that to control this draft, like the Texans should have. Uh, and now they don't, and now they may be in a quandary there. Yeah, when you start talking about Hendon Hooker, that guy's not playing next year. I know. I, I mean, I he's not. Play, if he's playing, he's just going to be able to start hobbling around in the middle of next year. Well, Houston has a fan base, right? And you've told them be patient for a couple of years while we rebuild from the Bill O'Brien fiasco. And let's see if Davis. Let's see if Mills is the guy. No, that, he's not the guy. No, and neither is Case Keenum. And, you know, maybe down the road Anthony Richardson is, but not this year. No. Uh, and, again, you were right there. You were there. to. And, and if Bryce Young goes on to be the special player people think he can be. Now, look, there still is a chance. You heard Adam Schefter say it. They could take C.J. Stroud and maybe just move forward with that. And I, they may have to do that just for public relations and, and fan base. And if C.J. Stroud turns out not to be great, then you then you start looking for another quarterback. But you've got to take a quarterback with that second pick. I believe. And hopefully get a pass rusher with your second number one, number 12 overall. And, and start putting some pieces in because your play your fan base is not interested in hearing. I think everybody's again. all wired into their their head coach is a defensive guy. He's going to take a defensive player. More, I mean, if it if it, if you don't have the quarterback yeah, that they knows, really covet, then he will go. Okay, I'm going to take the well, look. There is defensive that, player. There is that side with D'Amico Ryan's that he they had a really good team in in San Francisco without a great quarterback, and they were built on their lines of scrimmage, offensive right. and defensive line. I'm, I'm assuming, but D'Amico Ryan's has also said they need to have a good. A young quarterback in place, but yes, that's a good point with D'Amico Ryan's. He's a defensive guy, and that's the other part that you shouldn't have lost out on the number one pick. Is D'Amico Ryan's the Bama guy? 
And Bryce Young's a Bama guy. These are, I mean, this was all lining up, and dang it, Lovey, you went for two. We'll come back when we do. It is Hot or Not here with Ty. Uh, also, the, he's been red hot with his gambling picks, by the way. We'll try to pry another couple from him. We'll also get to uh, the Longhorn Spring Game, Longhorn Baseball, all the top stories and your thoughts on the Texans at number two. It's being on the horn. What's hot? And what's not? What's hot? What's not? Is brought to you by Texas Orthopedics, the largest independent orthopedic practice in Central Texas. Visit us at txortho.com to learn more and to schedule an appointment. Hot not uh, with our man Ty, who was over two and zero in his picks last night. With the Lakers win, by the way, in overtime, it's now officially official. All four California NBA teams are in the playoffs. First time it's ever happened. The Clippers, the Kings, who have been out of the playoffs for 16 years in a row, they're in the Lakers and Golden State, all playoff teams. All three Texas teams out for the first time ever. Now we can go from this point on and find out how long Kawhi will last. <laughs> hey, he's playing. How, how Paul long? George isn't playing. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, that's right. There's one down. Well, And, and they're, they're four of the top seven seeds in the West, so... Um, California getting it done, Texas not in the NBA. Uh, as for the Texans conversation, Houston with number two. Somebody texted something interesting. Ty, would you be for this? If the Texans did take best player available, not quarterback at 2-12, and 12, and then after the draft go after Lamar Jackson? Could that be a strategy? I don't if you think Lamar Jackson is better right now than C.J. Stroud, yeah. which is the decision. I just don't know if the, the rest of the team is ready for that, and then you're spending a lot of money on a, on a quarterback, even though the rest of the team can't get you to where you want to be, which is the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, in time, right? You're trying to build a team that can compete to go to the Super Bowl. But then, I mean, I'm la- just... last four teams last year, the final four teams from the AFC and MC, three of them had a rookie quarterback or a quarterback on a rookie contract. Right. I get it, and that's that's the value of C.J. Stroud. But again, I I, did, I don't if the Texans don't believe it that he's the franchise quarterback, and that's why I think you're hearing this that they coveted Bryce Young and he's not going to be there. Well, do you invest the second pick in Bryce Young or in C.J. Stroud and cross your fingers, or do you go to Plan B, which would be take two really good players? Well, at two I got and a 12, feeling on then, the board. There's not much difference between the two. I. I I can't believe there's this just huge cavern between the two quarterbacks. Well, it seems it seems like, and again, the, the reason I say it seems like is Lance Zerline down in Houston has been nails on Texans picks over and over again, so he's tied in with the organization, and he's one of the ones reporting it. So this isn't coming from just anonymous sources. This is Zerline who's tied in in Houston, believing that they don't have as high a grade on Stroud as some people do, and that each team has their own board, I and mean, they could be wrong that CJ mm-hmm. Stroud might be really good, but it doesn't sound like the Texans are on board with Stroud as much as, as they were Bryce Young. And if Bryce Young's gone, does that become an option at Plan B to say, because, again, you can't go to your fan base and say, hey, we're going, we're, we're waiting for next year to get a quarterback. You would have to be aggressive with a move. And Lamar Jackson would make some sense in that spot because, again, if you, here's the thing, right? You build your, your organization with the premium positions. The Texans don't have a quarterback, but last year in the draft they took Derek Stingley at corner. Uh, they've got Laramie Tunsil, the you know highest paid left tackle in the game. If you tar- if you draft a Will Anderson, who's who's people think can be an elite pass rusher, well now you've got pass rush locked up. Um, you've got a good young running back at eleven. You could take receiver or another you know top end premium position at twelve. I mean, and then would you trade for Lamar Jackson and say come on? Um, I'm not doing anything at wide receiver until I know I got the quarterback that I need. I'm not jumping to right. a gra- grab a, a wide Jackson receiver. With, Smith, yeah. Or- 
All right. Well, we'll see. Ty, what do you have for us in Hot or Not on a little short segment for us there? Uh, Dwayne Haskins, who died last year. Yes. Um, former quarterback for the Washington Commanders. Speaking of Ohio State quarterbacks. His widow and lawyer and family are alleging that he was drugged before his death, That which involved they're also alleging that it was a robbery slash um, blackmail scheme. Because he, he was hit by a truck. Yeah, I remember um, he was wandering a street early in the morning and he ran out of gas and, and was just walking. And he got, wasn't with his wife. No, and he got hit by a, like a dump truck or something. It was terrible. But yes, the, the allegation is that someone drugged him and he was not within his mind at the time when he got hit. And but supposedly the, I don't, there's a lot, the the alcohol report for the driver that was driving the truck never came out. And then like they never did sobriety tests. There's a bunch of sketchy stuff well, according to their lawyer. So look out for that, yeah. Dateline NBC is getting on it. It's kind of like the people that think there's a serial killer in Austin now. With all the deaths and bodies at town, down on Town Lake. You know, these these uh, Dateline people get involved. Stuff happens, and obviously this is a lawsuit that's coming down in the tragic Dwayne Haskins situation. We'll pick it up on the other side. B&E on the horn. MotoGP is returning to Coda April 14th through the 16th, and the Horn has your tickets. Register now on the contest page at hornfm.com to win a pair of tickets to MotoGP Red Bull Grand Prix of the Americas, one of the most thrilling race experiences of the year, the only North American round of the world's premier motorcycle racing championship. It's an incredible schedule of off-track entertainment, jam-packed with world-class two-wheeled excitement on track. Register to win now at hornfm.com. Talk about cleaning up that fuel spill eastbound on Highway 71 near the village of BK near 620. Going to be routed off that road after a huge backup uh, toward BK Parkway and then 620. Uh, so, again, avoid Highway 71 if you can. Take an alternate route or just stay where you are for a while. Northbound I-35 between Kyle and Buda. Got a crash there. It is still blocking at least one lane of traffic, so huge delays through there. North of there, uh, Onion Creek to Stasty, Old Torf to Cesar Chavez is going to be stop and go. Again, crews trying to clear the crash over on South 1st. That's reported near St. Elmo. Uh, southbound frontage I-35 at 40th. That crash clear. Here's one at San Marcos Street and uh, Brenham Street. That's going to be in the Manor area. Crash Justin Lane at North Lamar. Another wreck reported there as well. I'm Don Miller. That's your traffic. Spring weather is here and everything is going green. 